You are listening to Three Moves Ahead, the official podcast of FlashOfSteel.com. I am your host, Troy Goodfellow, and with me today is the same panel I had last week, my go-to Civil War buffs, who are not talking Civil War this week, a freelance writer, Julian Murdoch. Hello, hello, hello. Armed with what beverage tonight? Uh, I'm just doing a regular old gin martini. Kicking it old school in honor of the game we're talking about. They're very good. And freelance writer Rob Zachney. Hey, it's a uh, Civil War game if I say it is, so. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, tonight we're talking about, or this week we're talking about Frozen Synapse, a game from, uh, what's the developer's name? Uh, the developer Mode is 7. Mode 7, yes. Wasn't that an SNES, like, motion technology back in the day? Mode 7? I have no idea. Uh, yeah, super, super NES, yeah. Oh, well, that's well out of my ballywick of knowledge. Uh, it's, a, it's a simple texture mapping graphics mode to allow background layers to be rotated and scaled. <laughs> Thank you, Google. <laughs> what would we do with that Wikipedia? We'd have to know what the hell we were talking about. Uh, yeah, look, that would help. Uh <laughs> <laughs> you know that you know that next week it's going to be defacing Wikipedia on the topic we choose. They'll be reading off crap. It sound like bigger doofuses than we already do. Uh, so Mode Seven uh, made a game called uh, Frozen Synapse, and uh, the developer reached out to me uh, a while ago and our last couple weeks ago and said, "Hey, uh, maybe you want to take a look at this game." And I thought, "Hey, it might actually be a good podcast topic." Now, Jill, you've been playing this uh, longer than probably any of us. Yeah, well, I mean, we we had a little rash of folks over at Gamers with Jobs that sort of discovered this game, and I think they only opened it up for people to sort of do this weird sort of buy the beta, get a free key, but it's still a beta. Right. You can still play the game right now. Um, I think they only opened that up about a month ago. Right. Uh, at, at least that was first I heard about it, and we all jumped on it and um, and have been playing it on and off. I mean, it, it's. I mean, we'll get. Do, we'll do, get do, into do you it. want to? Do you want to explain it? Explain what Frozen sure, Synapse sure. is. It, so Frozen Synapse is a tactical strategy game. If that's not an oxymoron, uh, sort of third third person isomorphic top down view, uh, very much uh, like Laser Squad Nemesis. I mean, it is very much like Laser Squad Nemesis yep. in my mind. Um, However, it's done in an art style that is much more reminiscent of introversion games. Uh, yeah, it's, it's funny. Really- I mean, my my wife saw me playing it uh, today, and she said, "Oh, is is, is that, is that for, for, from those the DefCon people?" Exactly. It's, yeah. It totally feels like that. It's all bluey glow, you know, glowy bluey lines and everything, and uh, and the the people all look like little sort of infrared versions of themselves. Um, so the art style is just charming. I mean, I love the art style and the sound design. Um, so they've got that nailed. Um, and then the actual gameplay uh, is basically a, a sort of you have a five second time frame uh, to plan a series of moves for your dudes out. And the moves are are basically pretty simple in what you can imagine they could do. But the tools for doing it are quite complex. So it's, you know, move over here, face this direction, uh, fire at will or, you know, duck, crawl underneath this window, stand up, look around the corner. Uh, you know, go run and, you know, pick up this uh, block, et cetera. So, I mean, pretty straightforward, move your guys around things. Where it gets interesting is that you're doing it simultaneously with either a real opponent or a computer opponent, and we'll get into more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do simultaneous turn resolution, and there is an AI that sort of determines 
what your characters actually did. So you sort of give them the basics of what you want them to do. Walk across the hallway, looking forward, and shoot at anything that moves. Now, as things happen, uh, whether or not your guy actually gets across the room, whether he actually shot at anything that moved, whether he lived to you know walk more than five feet, all sort of gets resolved by the game engine, which is kind of a little under the hood, and I'm still sort of getting my hands around how resolutions actually happen. Right. Um, so, so it has actually, to me, almost a little robo rally quality to it, where you sort of set up your best guess for what might happen in the next five seconds, uh, and you can sort of test it out with a, you know, you can you can preview as many times as you want uh, what your moves will look like, assuming that your opponent does nothing, which isn't a great assumption, obviously, but it at least shows you where the guy will actually move and whether he'll fire on your opponent if he happens to be standing there. Uh, and then you click submit and the turns get resolved and you play back your turn, see how many people died and try it again. Uh, and it's, it's, I mean, you, you'll laugh, but it's hard. <laughs> I'm not going to laugh. At, I'm not going to laugh at all. I think this is a very, very difficult, uh, game. That's taken me a long time to really, cause like you say, it's a very simple looking game. Uh, and when you describe it to people, like I said, it's a you just tell your dudes what to do and then you press about then they go and do them. Uh, but there's, quite a bit of complexity in even the very simple maps. I mean, when do you wait? Uh, when do you run? Um, can I duck under that or not? Where are the other guys coming from? How do I set up my weapons in their best possible? Because more than, they aren't just guns or machine guns or sniper rifles. They're and rocket grenades. And, and that's the other right. thing is the environment's very destructible, which yes. is very, it's very satisfying, but it's also very complex because of that. Because, uh, you know, if you have one grenade, figuring out w- which wall to knock down with your grenade when can be a completely game-turning decision, right? You know, if you knock it down too early, maybe your guys aren't in position to actually shoot. If you knock it down too late, maybe may be nobody behind it when you get there, right? right. I mean, so where where the game gets interesting is at this deep, deep level of micromanagement because it seems so easy to just say, oh. I'll make a little waypoint path and have them walk over and stand in the little victory point block. No problem. But what you really need to do is give them a series of orders that's like 15 moves over five seconds. You know, walk three feet, turn to the left, walk one foot, duck, crawl. You know, I mean, it's it's insane. Well, it's, it's just like planning some SWAT assault. It's very. It is. It is. Well, it feels like it feels like playing like Rainbow Six, like no, with a piece of paper. That's exactly <laughs> what it feels like, actually. Because um, I mean, my first thought when I, when I loaded this game up was, um, you know, if you if you played the original Rainbow Six games back when it was a true like tactical shooter rather than just sort of a shooter with some flavoring, um, you know, half the game, more than half the game, really was spent planning your assaults on the locations being held by terrorists, right? You'd sit there and you'd pour over the map and you'd figure out, you know, where this team was going in, where this team was going in, and you would have you'd have to synchronize it and keep it all keep it all straight in your head, like who was going to be rounding a corner when, uh when to deploy flashbangs, all that stuff. Um this is a lot like Rainbow Six, but without the shooter part. Um it's just it's that tactical planning mode. And you will you you'll you'll go crazy trying to make sure that Everything unfolds optimally. You know, you right. try to foresee what's going to go wrong there, and it um, all always goes horribly wrong. I mean, it's almost it really. I mean, you know the board game Robo Rally where you have to like plan your five moves for your robot, 
and and oh, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's but you know things just always go horribly awry because it's really difficult to figure out exactly what the board condition's going to look like because in Robo Rally the board's moving all the time right so it's just just too many moving parts this often feels like that it seems like it would be a great game to play with like three other people in the room drunk because you'd just be laughing your asses off the whole time like oh you ran into the wall you know I mean just <laughs> maybe not. Well, I I don't know. I I think when 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 it goes wrong for me, I, I I'm more like I, I'm just more kicking myself. Just how could I, how could I have been so stupid not to see that guy would get cut down? Um, right. But no, I you know I do think this is a game that that could really benefit from. Uh, you know, I would love to play this if it was like Worms, for instance. You know, and you're sitting there with your friends, just blasting the hell out of each other. Um, but I find it a little more tense when I'm playing online in this sort of play by email system. Um, they've got. And I see. I haven't. Game. I haven't played. I played like a handful of of multiplayer. I've got really hooked on doing all the puzzles. So I mean, I've been going through trying oh, to optimize wow. my score on all the puzzles. So tell me more about your multiplayer experience. Have you been like just getting pickup games and stuff? Uh, yeah, I have. Um, it's it's interesting. I mean, w- one recommendation I'd make if if you want to have a good time with uh, Frozen Synapse is not to play one game at a time. Uh, you almost need to treat it like. I don't know, like you're one of those chess savants in the park, right? Where you like start four games and you just start playing a bunch of people simultaneously. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you you just uh, get in a lot of pickup games, and people are going to the way I play it. I mean, I'm going to fit my turns in when I've got a moment, you know, in between doing other stuff, um, you know, while I'm on the internet. And it only takes a few minutes, so I just keep hopping in and out and responding when new turns arrive. Um, so I'll have like four or five games going at once and um, just sort of resolving the turns at convenience. And since it's this WeGo system, um, you know, you, once once the server has both your turns, it plays them against each other, and you find out what happened when your plans collided. Um, so, yeah, I mean, multiplayer, I, I find it very tense um, and really unpredictable because... But tense, but tense in a really laid-back-at-your-own-pace way. I mean, this is very much like... I mean, I play a lot of, like, uh, game, chess with friends and words with friends on my iPhone, mm-hmm. right? Which is which has the sort of same feel, which is like, uh, you know, you, you wait for your turn resolution, and then you, like, take your time, and you could spend 30 seconds because you're like, oh, well, it's clear I need to move. Or it can be oh, really agonizing and spending five or six minutes planning out that move. This feels very much that way, where sometimes it's like, oh, I guess I'm running across the field. But more often than not, you're like tweaking your waypoints and saying, well, maybe if I just hug the wall a little tighter. And so, I mean, it's tense, but there's no time pressure at all. The, the, no, that's that's definitely true. But some of the things you have to get your guys to do, um, I just I can get so antsy when I think about, you know, how is this going to go wrong? Um, for instance, earlier today, I, I had the situation where I had two of my troopers, a sniper and a machine gunner, because um, you, you've only got character classes in this game. you got, like, your rocket launcher dude, grenade launcher guy, machine gunner, sniper, and shotgun guy. And they all have the sort of, the, they all specialize sort of what you'd expect them to specialize in. Like, the shotgun guy is murderous up close, useless at range. But anyway, two of my guys were boxed in a corner, and the sniper's lousy at infighting. So basically I had to have use him to draw fire from the guys that I knew were around the corner. So I just sent him sprinting out, and I ran it again and again, trying to figure out what the exact timing would have to be so that right. they would right. start to yeah. lock on him once they crossed in the field of fire, and then the machine gunner I had with him would step out of cover 
and mow them down before they killed my sniper. And I ran that again and again. And, oh my god, I was just on pins and needles waiting to see how that played out. And when it played out according to plan, oh my god, it was just, it was incredibly satisfying to see that, you know, exactly what I It is deeply satisfying when a plan works. It really uh, is. Yeah, my gunner just steps around cover, two shots, guy's dead. Oh, it felt great. Yeah, and it's definitely better playing against a real person, for sure. I mean, the, the AI on the on the puzzles and things like that seems pretty good. I mean, it's certainly mm-hmm. difficult. It's definitely difficult. There's no question about that. Um, well, it's, there's, a, and there's a real learning curve to this game. You really have to invest in wanting to understand the timing and the speed of what every weapon well, does. I mean, I think I mean, it's got, it's a, I'm not saying it's a steep learning curve, uh, but there's this is you know quite a bit more complicated, I think, than Laser Squad Nemesis. Um, well, I'm, fi- I'm finding it more difficult, at least. Maybe I just suck. Um, I'm not saying it's a bad game. I'm saying I'm finding it really hard to you know have the urge to keep moving on with it because I just keep dying. That's, yeah. that's definitely where I was at the start. You're not um, you're not enjoying the puzzles. I I find the puzzles very addictive. Yeah. No. No, we're not. I, I assume most people skip over them because they think they're too silly tutorial things. But right. I've I've really enjoyed that process. Okay. Like, oh, I know I can get through this puzzle with all three of my guys alive. You know, I mean, I I've really been digging that. Yeah, I've been mostly well, jumping into like single player maps against the AI, uh, which is brutal. The AI yeah. is brutal. It's just hard. Yeah. Um, well, I find the AI is the AI is actually. I mean, the AI does kind of what I want from an AI, right? Um, it's not as prone to egregious, horrendous screw ups as most human players I play, <laughs> but it's also it's also not going to like stun you with genius. Yeah, but but I mean, I, I actually did have some interactions with the developers on this because I accused them of having an AI that cheats, and they assured me that the AI does not do any cheating. Um, but, you know, it does sort of sometimes feel like, oh, come on. How did you know I was going to run the backside of the building? You know. Yeah, but I mean, this game, this game is so unforgiving that, I mean, well, it's not, it's not that it's unforgiving. That, that makes it sound like maybe a more punitive experience than it is. Um, but those, those, your guys, the guys in your squad do not have much of a margin of error. You know, they get, and it is pretty much one shot kills. I mean, yeah, really. Yeah. I yeah, mean, there, 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 are, there are hit points here. I mean, if your guy gets shot, he's dead. The assumption is yeah. everybody's got this perfectly kill, killing weapon. Every shot is a kill shot. So the thing is not to get hit. Uh, right. Which makes it very real world and very tense, right? Sure. That's, that's great. But, but I, I mean, mean um, like, no, go on. So, I mean, Troy, you were sort of saying that this game has a steep learning curve. Uh, you know, I mean, I guess I, I, I was sort of this game obviously harkens back to quite a few other games. Like, yes. I mean, going back to XCOM probably is right. the the most logical, you know, direct predecessor to this. I mean, it's that 1983 or four or something like that. I mean, that's a long time and still fundamentally the same idea. You get a bunch of guys. They're hiding behind walls. You move them around. Say, when you stand here, fire this way. Yeah. Um, and Laser Squad Nemesis was just sort of the you know cheap slash free version of that, which I mean, that was what like five or six years ago. That took like over that, the internet yeah. for a while, um, and, and that was truly, I mean, really was an XCOM clone for all intents and purposes. I mean, it even sort of looked like the XCOM screens. Um, this, I think, takes it to a new level. But not in a way that requires that kind of complexity. I mean, that's what's so interesting about the game design here to me is Mm -hmm. that 
you can play this sort of as dumbly, and I, I say that not in a bad way because XCOM is one of my favorite games of all time, but you could play it as dumbly as you played XCOM. You don't need to sit there and say, okay, I'm going to have him wait here for 0.03 seconds, duck, move for 0.2 seconds, stand up, aim that way. You don't need to get into that super micromanagement level of complexity where you're scripting the central nervous system of each one of these squads, right? right. But you can. So it's a question of how into it you want to get hmm. that doesn't that create sort of a problem for you i mean this is this is a problem i ran into with uh neptune's pride not that long ago is that you know if, if i'm sitting down to play a game i mean i am i am showing up to play to win um and if the difference between me getting my head handed to me or you know coming through victorious is going to be planning these moves in detail um, spending a lot of time, you know, run, running the play, um, then I'm going to do that. Then, then that's that's okay. what I signed up for when I, when I sat down to play the game. I'm, I'm going to go as deeply into it as I need to to win. And since a lot of the people I'm I'm playing against online are going into it on that level, then yeah, I'm going to be, you know, spacing out my turn, planning when a guy's going to duck and when he's going to wait and where he's going to be looking. I'm going to do all of that. Um, and yeah, there there are times I, I I don't really want to that I find that a little a little tiring, but that's kind of what this game is about. Yeah, and yeah, I I mean I see that, and, and definitely if you were getting into it now, is are four player games actually enabled? Because I I mean I haven't even just I haven't even looked. But I've only I, done one says, one. Yeah, that's all I've ever done, and that's all I've seen. But apparently it does do four player. I can see in a four player grudge match where like you really cared whether you won, like if like four of us on this podcast played. You would be micromanaging the crap out of your turns, where you'd be like, you know, duck, run, you know, pick up this, move there. I mean, you can do turns. Two v two. I mean, teams. Two v two. Um, I I think you can do. I, they say that either you can or you will be able to because it is a beta, right? Um, either two v two or four, you know, one death match for you know for for a person free for all. I believe. I could be wrong. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I, I'm just, I'm curious, Charlie. Like, what, what's been, what's been holding you up with this game? Uh, I think it's just how, first, I have a very poor sense of space in, in general. I'm bad with space and moving through space uh, in the real world. Oh, gee, it's a good thing you're not a strategy gamer. Yeah, well, maps are different. <laughs> yeah, I know. Ma- maps are different. This isn't, right. this, this isn't a map. This is, you know, moving through space and being able to judge time. Uh, it's really different from, you know, moving things around a map because things are always coming at you. And I think the fact that the, the one-shot kill thing is a big deal. I mean, this isn't like XCOM or Laser Squad numbers. You can take some hits. You can get some hits and get out of the way most of the time unless there's a rocket launcher coming at you. Um, so every bad move is you get penalized for. And you get penalized for hard. Uh, and even if the learning curve isn't unforgiving, the game punishes you completely for failure. Uh, Rob, you were saying earlier today that you had this great game where you're down to like one guy and he held off like an entire army or something. Oh, I'm going to talk about that later. It was sweet. And, you know, that sounds sweet and awesome and amazing, but I mean, if I'm down to one guy, I'm just getting pissed off. Uh, eventually you learn it and so it's, you know, the, there, there are a lot of controls and a lot of commands. Um, and I think that the interface isn't nearly where it should be as far as, you know, no. uh, being able to look and all of this, which the interface is a little bit more 
friendly in that area. I mean, it's a clearly an interesting game. It's one I do want to spend more time on. But this week, I'll be honest, I had a really hard time making myself uh, get into it because I was just so frustrated. Uh, it's been a bad week for me in general. Huh. Well, yeah, I mean, you're just a crotch, you're just a crotchety old motherfucker in general. So I mean, language. I that. language. <laughs> <laughs> or do we do we have to put the explicit tag on the podcast now? We'll do now. Have another, have another martini, Julian. Yes. I, I have <laughs> been drinking since I've been talking the whole time. What are you You've been about? drinking since two. <laughs> I wish. You know, I, I <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, it, it's a good game. I do want to spend more time on it, but I mean, let's not pretend that this is going to be a game that's going to be that you have to. I mean, like Rob was saying, I mean, you have to really invest in if you want to be. Decent at this, you can. This isn't like that. You you can't just punt around, and you know. Well, I'll be getting an, I'll be getting another soldier in the next map, so I can send yeah, people. Because there's no there's I can no send campaign people. here. This is yeah. a single player experience, really. Right. So you can't just send your bunch of rookies out as cannon fodder because all you've got is cannon fodder. Yeah, I would. I would. I guess my only caveat to that was because I'm. I mean, come on. Let's face it. I'm me, right? I'm not a hardcore player. We all know this. I'm the sure. ass monkey of the universe, and <laughs> the. I, I have found the single player experience to be very rewarding, but I find it rewarding the way I find, I don't know, Drop 7 or or uh, Puzzle Quest or or one of those kinds of games right. rewarding where sure. it, it's not stressful. It's, I'm not considering it an, an, a big giant investment. I'm, I'm going I'm, to talk because I'm here playing the d- d- dungeon crawl uh, constantly. And it's yeah, exactly. You know, it's, so, I mean, it, it's, you die all I think, the time. I think maybe it's you're investing too much in the, well, this is a multiplayer game and therefore I need to be good for it to matter. Maybe because I'm so used to sucking all the time anyway, I'm really enjoying the fact that there are these sort of puzzles to solve along the way. Well, you know, a, cu- a couple things. I, I think one, one, one big problem, I think, with this game is the interface is problematic because it doesn't it show you great. clearly enough what is going to happen, what each button is going to do. And when you're stacking a lot of these move orders together, um, it's difficult to tell exactly visually. It's difficult to tell what exactly is going to happen with each stage. Um, the other thing is that I can't believe how tiny some of the iconography is in this game. Yes. yes. Um, you need I mean, like a 24-inch monitor running oh my, at max yeah. resolution. Yeah. Yeah, you've got, you've got to play this on pit. your netbook. <laughs> you've got an aiming pit that I think is like two pixels wide. I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, so, I mean, it's... It, it gets very it gets very cluttered. It gets very hard to see what's going on. Um, but I, I think you, you know a couple things that helped helped me get over it was just once I once I got online, started playing other people, um, getting my ass kicked a lot kind of got me over that, and I, I learned a lot from my first few games. Um, but the other thing to remember is it, yes, this game do, this game is not very forgiving. If you screw up, your your guys die. But it can also turn around so quickly because it's just as unforgiving for everybody else. And so all it takes is like one well positioned guy finding a good place to hole up your last survivor, and you can conceivably turn the game around. Um, and it's that I find that I find kind of nifty. It's kind of the opposite of the experience I've been having, say, with like StarCraft Two, um, where you know. Five minutes in the game, I know I've lost. Um, there's there's no salvaging this. Might take you know five more minutes, ten more minutes to f- figure that out, but it's not coming back. Um, in Frozen Synapse, that's not the case. You you can be down to nothing, and you can bring it all back. You can hold the doorway. Yeah. 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 I mean, and and that that is that that makes for those great stories, right? I mean, that's part of what makes strategy games so great is that you do have those great stories of you know you know 
the mighty 400, you know, 300, 400, 200. It was, it was the 300. 300. Is that story? Is we're in storytelling mode? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you have to appreciate it as a story, Troy. Your story? Oh, my, oh, the story of, uh, oh, just, um, well, I mean, it's, it's interesting. This, this, this actually began with a bug. My game bugged. Um, I was going into a, uh, defend, a defend map where I have to hold some territory. And I thought, I thought I just couldn't understand the controls, but it turned out my game glitched and was not responding to my controls. <laughs> so I <ended> up. <laughs> so the way the defend map system works is um, you bid on sectors of the map to defend, and whoever defends the bigger part of the map um, wins the bid and gets to be defender. Uh, so basically, you know what I mean? Like, so the more you defend, the more inconvenient and more difficult it's going to be to hold it, but you do get to be on the defense. Anyway, so... I just went through this bid process and ended up totally screwed. I was defending this patch of turf in the middle of the map with no cover. And then I was supposed to pick my guys. Um, still, I was clicking, nothing was happening. So I just auto-completed that. And I got into the game. And finally, when I realized I couldn't control anybody, I had to quit out and go back into the game. And now the controls work. But I was totally hosed. First turn of the game, uh, two of my three submachine gunners were picked off by a sniper. It was Ugh. hideous. Snipers yeah. in this game are vicious. Oh yeah, it's like they a are, sni- the sniper. It's like it's like the level of frustration you get in a first-person shooter when you're getting constantly sniped. Yes. Anyway, yeah. go ahead. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. So, no. So my last survivor, he just goes scuttling out of the uh, defense zone, and um, I'm looking around like I have no idea where to go because they're they're all around. I have no idea where these guys are coming from. So I just take him into this corner. And um, have him crouch down, sit there in the corner, and with his 90-degree field of fire, nobody can get behind him. He's He's got this this huge front he's holding. And, um, you know, then the sniper is trying to circle around for a better shot. My guy engages, um, and the, it gets really tense with machine gunners engaging at range because it takes them a while to zero in on the target. So it was this right. race between the sniper drawing a bead and my machine gunner finally cutting him down. He did it just before the guy gets a shot off, and I see out of the corner of my eye another guy is coming up um, you know, along the side trying to flank me. And my, my machine gunner turns around real quickly just as the guy st- sidesteps through the doorway, cuts him down, and then the last of them gets caught out in the open a minute later, mows him down, and I win. Like, with one guy against, like, three or four guys, I managed to turn that around just by finding a good position and sort of anticipating where these guys would be coming from. Um, and it was just, it was, it was great, because, I mean, my game had glitched. Um, that, you know, and, and I was and, able to recover. And still, you chair. were mighty victorious. You oh, were yeah. the 308, or whatever it was. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> Yeah, I was playing. He was, he was stunned. Right. Well, because your 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 prowess is now legendary. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Machine Gunner Three. His name will never be forgotten. Machine Gunner Three. Put on a T-shirt. Machine Gunner Three. <laughs> so we've talked about uh, Rainbow Six and Laser Squad <laughs> and uh, Frozen Stands. How do we compare this to other uh, tactical? combat games out there, because this is simultaneous resolution, it's the best way to do it I think, I mean, a combat mission is a tactical simultaneous game, when I played right. this I kept I kept wishing I had tanks, I kept thinking I'll show that sniper, 
<laughs> give, me a, give me a Panzer, I'm going to show him who's boss. Uh, so how do we compare this to other tactical uh, games out there? Well, the, what, are they, what, weaknesses? What, are, what are some of your favorites? I mean, you remember Combat Mission. I actually, one of my favorite, it, it's not uh, it's not simultaneous resolution, but did you, either of you play Warhammer 40K Squad Command? No? Crickets? No. Crickets? I mean, that was a PSP sort of XCOM clone kind of thing where you had a, you, you know, you had a set of five or six guys uh, and you were basically doing turn-based tactics just like this. Move your five guys around, say face that way, equip this weapon, move another four feet, duck behind this thing, a similar thing. And I played the crap out of that on the PSP. It's one of the only PSP games I've ever put any time into. What, what, what about you guys? What, like, what are your, what's your favorite sort of tactical turn-based thing? Everything goes back to XCOM for me, but really that's a strategic level that makes XCOM work as a tactical game uh, because it is so seamlessly uh, blended in where you right. do have the, where you, the tactical game has a strategic impact where you have mission goals uh, within the tactics which bleed at the strategic level where your research get better weapons, where your squad mates are replaced, um, and there's that campaign hook that makes – which is why you know people t- – Keep saying, well, I want an XCOM, I want a new XCOM. When, hey, there was a Laser Squad Nemesis, made by some of the same guys. What was wrong with that? Well, the strategic level wasn't there. Right. Uh, and so even if you have the same tactical energy and tension, um, having it mean something larger uh, is what works for me. You could say the same Rainbow Six for that, if it, uh, to that extent, I suppose. Don't you, don't you think that to some extent we've seen this bleed over into the real-time genre with Dawn of War 2? I mean, because at the uh, – in, in some ways, Dawn of War 2 feel the single-player campaign at least, feels very much like – almost like an XCOM experience where, well, okay, that's not true. But but you, but you the, the combat field at least has that quality of being really very micro-specific. You know, move this guy here, move that guy there. No, not with me at all. I mean, I understand some of what you're getting at because, you know, in uh, Dawn of War 2, uh, the character classes mean so much and specialties. And you do want to put them where their specialties are the most useful. And you uh, only have a dozen guys on the field at a time, generally. Yeah. In the campaign, you're sometimes even less than that. You're working with four yeah. guys sometimes, right. uh, four super guys who take on the world. Uh, which never quite feels felt right to me. Though I like quite a bit of this, quite a few of the set pieces in the campaign. But in, as far as RTSs go, that's probably one of the closest. And, uh, right. and you, Rob. I don't. I don't know. For, for something like this, I you know I actually find myself uh, returning to shooters, tactical shooters, um, because if you think back to like SWAT four or Rainbow Six, you know when you were when you're playing through the action. So, so much of it had been determined in the plan that your only responsibility really, um, you know, it wasn't down to your, it shouldn't have come down to your first person shooter reflexes, your skills, any of that. It came down to how well you could execute the plan you'd sort of scripted right. for yourself and your Absolutely. team. Absolutely. Right. And Absolutely. that was the, that was the skill. And how good was your plan? How flexible was your plan? How prepared were you for every eventuality? And so for me, I, when, when I, like, I don't see, you know, for me, like one of my favorite ta- squad-based tactical games was um, uh, Jagged Alliance, but I don't see a lot of similarity between that and Frozen Synapse. For me, Frozen Synapse really reminds me a lot of my favorite parts of like 
SWAT 4 or Rainbow Six, um, where it's this unforgiving, um, you know, it's, it's this really unforgiving environment where you've just got to try to foresee and predict where the enemies are going to be and make a plan around it. Um, so yeah, I mean, for, for me, it's, it's definitely the shooters. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it definitely, the, the, uh, the, it's certainly shooters that have no respawn, right? I mean, starting with Counter-Strike or, right. uh, you know, I mean, that, that is sort of the key component here is that you start losing guys in a frozen synapse match. If you started with three or four guys, yeah, you get down, you, you get down two in the first two or three turns, you got a big uphill battle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the pull it out if you're lucky, or you, uh, or the right guy goes. Down. I mean, like Rob, if it was, if all you'd have left was a sniper, uh, you'd have been screwed. You've been screwed, right? And there's no way to go pick up the kit from the guy with the grenades. No, that's that's true. So, what do you think of? I, I, I'm just sort of curious. What do you think of this? The, the the way the developer is approaching this. I mean, stepping away from the games for a minute and, and yep. focusing on how they're releasing it. I mean, we've got. A developer who, you know, is, doesn't have a big name out there. It's not like this is the breakoff team from Bungie or something like that. Um, they clearly have some good designers. They have some great art. They have a good sound designer. They've got something to say. Um, and they're kind of pre-releasing this game. I mean, it's, it's clearly not baked, right? There's lots of stuff that's not quite finished. There's clearly balance issues still. Um, there's lots of stuff they say that's coming. Uh, what do you think about this idea of sort of buying a beta and getting a free game and then there'll be a retail release somewhere down the line. I mean, is this just too much blurring of the line between development and retail? I, for me that for me, I mean, because this is a small new team, I don't have a problem with any of this really, but it's actually, they're actually doing a lot of the things that bother me tremendously when larger companies do it. Well, the problem with a lot of larger companies when they do crap like this is that they uh, they pretend the game is retail and actually ship you the beta. Right? That's a that's a big difference. That's true, but but we're I mean we're also seeing you know we've we've already reached the point where you pay for an early access demo. Um, you know, you basically you know you pre-order the game and you get access to the demo, um, and that that bothers me a little bit in the case of something like. Uh, well, you know, Left 4 Dead, StarCraft 2, um, I find that a little bit troubling because you're supposed to, the idea of a demo is customers can try it before they buy it and, you know, possibly save their money if they don't like what they say. Um, but increasingly it's sort of being, you're holding this, this gameplay snippet hostage um, until they fork over their cash and then they can find out whether or not this is their cup of tea. That That bothers me. But it doesn't, for some reason, that doesn't bother me as much in the case of Frozen Synapse. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, uh, we we've seen other developers. I don't know what you guys played. Um, Auditorium, like one of my yeah. favorite little yep. recent games. You know, they they did something sort of similar to this, where they've created lots of ways to pay a little bit to play some of the game. Um, and and you know, I think it's let them it's let them expand. It's let them keep releasing product, and I think that's a good thing in general. I mean, I guess to some extent it depends on how beta the beta is, right? I mean, this doesn't feel like I'm supposed to be submitting bug reports and I'm expecting it to crash every five minutes, right? So, I mean, that's when I, I, I come from an old-school theory of beta, which was I sign up for a beta, I submit all of my system specifications, mm-hmm. and I sign an agreement that I will submit bug reports if I run into stuff. This doesn't feel like that at all. This feels like a preview. 
right? Yeah. I'm basically paying to get the game early, probably a little bit cheaper. Well, here's and here's something I've I have no way of knowing this, but maybe is is part of the way they're doing this also about slowly ramping up the server load. Um because uh, do you really think there's much server load in a game like this? I mean, how I, long, I think how long could right, it possibly right. take to process these turns? Well, I mean, I've you know at peak hours when there's a lot of games going on, I've definitely seen my turns take forever to get submitted and returned. Really? I, I you know I have I've, I've there have been times I thought the game is hung, uh, but it just it the the server's taking a while to respond. And I mean, if you think about it, I mean the way I play, I've got a bunch of games open. And I'm sending turns back and forth, and so are my opponents, and they probably have a bunch of games open. Right. So, so I you're think sending actually, a turn every three or four minutes, right? Right, but each each user who's active, that's that's a new, that's probably several new games that are open at a time. So I don't know. I I, I really have no idea. It, it it might be it might be very basic. Um, this might be a very basic network problem to someone who knows what the hell they're talking about. Right. But to me, I could see a situation where if each person is opening a bunch of games, each person represents a significant increase in the workload yeah but but by the same token you know when you're playing the single player game and you submit your turns it's essentially instantaneous right so it's i I have a hard time believing there's like a giant cpu hang cycle that has to happen when you and i submit our turns and the computer the server has to resolve it because the computer on you know my crappy laptop can resolve that turn in a second true so who knows well, I don't know. I can also see. I mean, you you really what you definitely. I mean, especially if you're new, especially if this if you're indie and this is a new product. What you really don't want is a demigod release, oh. and you don't want what happened to uh, the guys who are doing that Mech Warrior Four re-release, um, where you know just one moment the floodgates are closed, the next moment they're open and everything crashes. You, you want to avoid that, and if that helps, if this helps them, great. Right. Any problem with the way they're marketing it? I mean, this is a way first to build buzz for the game, uh, for one thing. Uh, it gets a lot of us playing it. Uh, we're right. talking about it here on the we're, show. We're talking about it here. I talked about it on DWJ. So. With jobs. That and works, it's, right? it's, you know, we each get, I mean, I, we, I got a beta code. I didn't have to pre-order it, but uh, other people have. You know, get, I, had my, I got my code um, from a friend in England, who a colleague of mine over there, and he pre-ordered it. Uh, so he sent me his friend's code. Uh, so they sold a copy because it's a pre-order, and I get the friend code for free. Uh, so we have Which more I people. Think it's a great idea. It is that idea. It... I think is brilliant. I mean, Sleep is Death did the Sleep same stuff, thing, yeah. where yeah. sort of every you know every game is basically two licenses. I think yeah. that's freaking brilliant. So I, I mean, it's in many ways they're selling they're selling two games for the price of one. They get the more people playing it. Um, I, there are probably people who have chipped in to buy a copy. I mean, there's two people buying, pre-ordering one copy, and they agree who gets a friend code. So that's a great well, way to do it. Um, and and it, Steam, Valve actually has done this with their last couple of releases too, where you've been able to buy, I think, four packs of mm-hmm. all their multiplayer games, which with for a pretty reasonable discount, like 20, 30, 40%. Right? Same idea is that you get your friends to play and it gets cheap. No, oh. um, I'll talk a little bit about the art, uh, which I think is we talked about as the kind of the intro version aesthetic, and um, this ties into something that I mean Tom and I were talking a little bit about um, Frozen Synapse. He wanted to be here tonight to talk about to a different game, uh, a- Ancient Trader, uh, 
which he wrote about on his uh, blog, which I wrote about on Flash of Steel. Uh, ancient Trader has a very unique look as well, and he wanted to make some connections between how Ancient Trader uses art and its game design, and uh, Frozen Synapse, which has a very unique look, and how they can how they are problem. I would say they're in many ways using that. Uh, as kind of a hook, because it is such a unique look. People tie right. with a successful uh, other uh, independent company. They, I mean, you look at it, it does look like an introversion game. I'm sure they're not copying it, but it. I, uh, I, I look, or maybe they are, but if, I, I look if at you looked at the, some of the videos for Subversion, because this looks an awful lot. That's what like I thought it was subversion. at first. It's an interesting uh, way of looking at it. Um, and like I said, my wife thought it was the same game or the same company. Um, this game, I argue, no one would be talking about it if they used little tiny cartoon soldiers. Uh, I think you're right. I think that's probably. I think that's fair, right? Because the little cartoon soldiers thing would be XCOM. It depends. It depends how stylish I think those cartoon soldiers were. What color is the nail polish? Right. That's really the important uh, part. I, I think if they if they were just like little sprite dudes, I think if they were little sprite guys that were still fundamentally trying to be like a literal representation of what a little soldier guy looks like, nobody would care. Uh, but I mean, if I, I think increasingly people respond to a style, any style, any sort of visual motif that people find interesting, um, people respond well to that. So that's why, like you know, the Team Fortress characters are all these you know. Pixar characters. Sure, absolutely. I mean, um, I, so, I, mean I, I think I, you could get away with cartoony dudes. Just they have to be stylish cartoons. They, yeah, they'd have to be. They'd have to be unique. I mean, I think unique art style. I, I don't think that's a crutch. I think that's a core of game design. You have to make me care about this game, right? You have to make me give a crap. You have to make me enjoy being in your world for a while. I mean, ultimately, World of Warcraft is math with graphics too, right? But I don't want to play the math game. I want to play the game that has all the other little fiddly bits around it, right? I want to see what it looks like. I want to, I want to hear the sounds, right? So, I mean, yes, all games boil down to math with graphics, but sure. you know what? The graphics matter. So does, the, so does the story and the sound and everything else. And I think these guys have done a pretty good job of carrying that aesthetic through. I don't think the sound design is there. I think the interface design. These guys need to like fly to Vancouver and spend a week and a half with the guys from Ironclad and like focus on their interface design stuff because it's just not quite there yet. Yeah. It's not all the way there. No, that, that's definitely true. I find myself wondering about the sound design because I, I do find myself wishing there was more. But at the same time... They say, I will say in the downloads for the beta, in, like the, in the patch notes, it says sound design. Sound has been implemented very rudimentary, nowhere near complete, or something like that. Yeah, they're, so, they're, they're clearly still working on that. And that's they, they, they have definitely said that's like one yeah, of because the... Because the, 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 yeah, this is a beta. Um, right. Right. But, I mean, just the way the game looks, do you remember that scene in... Um, in like, you remember, remember Patriot Games, you know, the Harrison Ford movie? Yep, yep. Um, oh, when, yeah, the, when you're watching the SWAT 4 guys run around, yeah. Yeah, the satellite image of them taking down the terrorist camp in Libya. It's exactly what it those, feels like. That's exactly yeah. what it does look like. So I, 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 find, I, I wonder, how do you sound design something where you're supposed to be remote and distant from the action? You know, it can't get too vivid, or I think it might start running into problems with the way the game looks. Um but, you know, just going back to the art style for one second, I, I think one other important thing this art style does is everything looks very stark 
and simple, and I think that underscores the stripped down and unforgiving nature of this game. You know what I mean? Like the game, the game sort of looks like it plays. There's just your guys, a little bit of cover, yeah. and a lot of dead ground that you got to be careful for. Um, I, I don't know. I, I like how instructive the visuals are. Yep. Yeah, I think it's. I think that's right. I mean, the, the interface isn't great, but I can always tell. You know, my sniper from my rocket dude. I mean, that's uh, the game does do a good job of that uh, graphics wise. So I'm, I I I like the look. There's a very distinct look and I was I mentioned Ancient Trader and Tom mentioned Ancient Trader and I think he wanted to bring up this point. He didn't tell me exactly what his point is. Tom never tells me uh what his point is. He just says, "Oh, I would like to talk about." And then he decides not to show up. Um that you know <laughs> yeah, he's he's busy. He he confused the nights. He thought we were doing it last night. We got a he's big whole so busy. Tom is a very busy guy with an active social life and I think he's saving an orphanage or something tonight. And an attitude. Yeah, but we love his attitude. Um compared to Ancient Trader, another game with a beautiful look. Um and the it's a kind of this parchment uh 18th century map type thing with here there be dragons and all kinds of funky renaissance type art uh, going on which I guess would make it 16th century um, but the gameplay itself is in my eyes uh, very simple almost simplistic um, so you hate the art in many ways sets up this promise of great grand adventure and you're playing this rock paper scissors card game uh, for most of it which doesn't really uh, for me, connect with the artwork. So you have this beautiful, beautiful game, beautiful, beautiful looking game, and the game design itself is like, well, I feel a bit let down after it. I don't feel that with uh, Frozen Synapse as much as I suck at it, and I epically suck at it. Uh, the art is leads into a game, and it's a, a perfect match of look and play. And Let I think, me ask you. Yeah. Um, if Ancient Trader had a different art style, but the same core gameplay, I mean, is there any art I would style? Not have, I, would not have, I would not have been playing it at all. The oh, art no. style is the hook for Ancient Trader. It looks like nothing else out there. Well, uh, I, I and I'm totally I'm totally a sucker for that, and yeah. I will I will say that there are sure I think there's there are whole games that suck me in on the art style and then keep me with the gameplay. I think it's hard for a game to suck. And have a good art style and still. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying Ancient Trader sucks. I think it's a very simple game, and that the art doesn't quite match what the gameplay is. Uh, right. It's 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 clearly you know a, a beginner's game, and the company's name is Four Kids Games. I don't think they're targeting children with this game. <laughs> I don't think it's a children's game because uh, it's not like Dora the Explorer is slaying the. Giant don't give me this and Dora. Boots is in my camp, baby. I love Dora. I, I love Dora. My, my niece loves Dora. Dora's a big star in our household, uh, or in her household at least. Uh, but so it, I'm not sure it's a children's game, but it's a very basic, simple uh, trading game where all the resort, all the values are way out in the open, so you know where you're going to be making your money, so you know. The upgrades are very clear, and it's if you win the first rock paper scissors round, it's very hard to lose the next, very hard to lose the rest of them. If you win the first one, even just by chance, uh, because it is rock paper scissors, it's very clear how many options other guy has left. Um, 
So it's, but it's a very simple game that I think is kind of undermines how beautiful the rest of the game is. Now I agree with you, Julian. There are some games that are just I'll just play because they look great, um, even if they are, you know, a little bit poor. Just well, look. I mean, I, I can think of I can think of dozens of examples. Yep. I mean, Luminous, Res. I mean, yep. there's so many games that that survive largely because of the aesthetics of their design. Yep. Right. I mean, like like Luminous. Think of that. I mean, that's such a simple, stupid puzzle yep. game, but it has so much more legs for me than something like Tetris, which is fundamentally the same game design yep. with a tweak um, because it's got this great sort of visual music integration thing going on that makes it completely addictive. Absolutely. I've, I mean, I've got um, so many games on my shelf that look at it that, you know, are I are suck me in because they look good. Um you can even look at even a great or very good RTS like Battle for Middle Earth uh, is in many ways made stronger because it evokes the movies so well. It's a very right. good and well-designed RTS, but if it didn't evoke the movies, uh, I don't think I would love it as much as I do. Right. Um, and I think in Frozen Synapse, uh, we have some of that going on as well, that the fact it looks so unique um, and that it jibes so well with as Rob was saying, with the gameplay itself, um, right? Makes I mean, if this was done in the if this was done in the visual style of uh, desktop tower defense, where it was sketched on paper, I'm not sure it would be oh, screw that. quite so entertaining. Yeah. Although that style is part of what made desktop tower defense so popular, right? right. I mean, it, it was the right style for the right game. Yeah. For this game, the whole sort of high tech glowy blue line thing, way better. Hang on though, I, I'm I'm also curious though. How much is this game sort of drafting off our sort of positive conditioned response to introversion games? Because I was completely predisposed to sort well, of to introversion because, and Tron, right? I mean, those are the, the and every vector graphics game ever made, right? I mean, that's no, that's see, what these, yeah. these are all dead things to me. I don't remember these. Oh. I'm gonna shoot you. Oh yeah, feel old, old man. Feel old. Yes. Um, no, but you're gonna, uh, you're gonna come to my house and I'm gonna introduce you to Tempest. Oh Tempest God! Like your right fist, or I mean, do you have a name for like <laughs> Tempest? I, I can't even. I can't even talk to you right now, Troy. You 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 kill him for me. God, children okay. surrounded anyway, by children. Anyway, but my point is though, the moment I saw this game, yeah. I was like, all right, Defcon. Um, you know, it's from a completely different company, but. It's sort of, you know what I mean? Like, if you choose an art style like this, you're sort of saying, you know where I'm coming from. Right. And chances are, you're going to like this game. So, I just, you know, I just wonder, like, is it just that we like the art style, or do we like what this art style tends to signify? I think that the art style tends to signify a level of sophistication. I think that's what mm-hmm. we've associated with. I mean, that's what I associate it with. I won't speak for anybody else, but right. but when I when I saw the the really really well produced video for this game before I even went to the website, they they released a great like little music video of the game with a rock and soundtrack underneath it, and I was like, yes! I mean, I was throwing up the devil horns. I was like, I'm there. I'm totally there. And for sure. The art style implied to me, these are people like me who have played all the introversion games, and there's a little bit of an homage there, and mm-hmm. they 
dig the vector graphics ethos. They played, you know, discs of Tron and they played Tempest and they're like in my camp. And therefore I associate a certain level of sophistication in the gameplay with that crowd. And they're quote unquote like me. Therefore I want to enjoy what they're producing. So absolutely. And and it helps that the game is actually good. I mean, it's not, the game is actually good, too. Yeah, I mean, that only gets you so far. Right. It got me to get the game. It didn't right. get me to keep playing it. Right. But, yeah, I mean, the people – I mean, it's – a lot of people dismiss graphics, especially in the strategy gaming world. You know, the, uh, you know graphics don't matter, and uh, shooters are, you know, all about graphics, not gameplay, yada, yada. We've heard it all before. But, you know, there is a – you do need to have that buy-in. And I think for Frozen Synapse, the look is part of the buy-in. Uh, and, and even war games, Birth of America, a great, great war game, uh, which I think one of your Gujar guys played a lot of, Julian, right? Yep, yep. Uh, which, who was that big oh, wait, guy? Sean? Sean, Sean Sands. Sean yeah, Sands sort of like that. Yeah, Sean yeah, Sands. It was the only Horizon broadening that didn't end a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, except for that one time he went gay, but he doesn't talk about that. <laughs> God, uh, Birth of America is a is a great looking game, and I think that makes people want to understand uh, the very elegant stuff it's doing about uh, how we understand the American Revolution because well, it looks like a great looking board war game uh, with even the wood paneling along all the interface. Um, I think that you know what it's important for games to at least have that visual thing to suck you in now because it is. I'm not going to say it's easy to do good art. Art is not easy. Uh, but, guys, make an effort. Well, you know, you know, sorry to pit my own stuff here, but, I mean, just in the same way what I was saying about, like, Frozen Synapse, its art style sort of preps you for the kind of experience you're you're going to have and how to, how to approach this game. You know, I mean, I wrote a piece for uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! about the map in Birth of America, how that sort of, that, that map, is sort of hinting at you how you're going to have to approach this game, how you're have to go ha- going to have to play it, uh, just because it's it's so evocative um, that just looking at it, you begin to perceive the challenges you're going to be facing for the rest of this game. Yeah. I, if, you, if you're going to talk about places you're writing, we can't end this podcast without talking about the brilliant piece you wrote about The Hunter. Not not a strategy game, except <laughs> totally a strategy game. Yeah, uh, Rob's been writing up. Rob wrote a piece for the Escapist on the Hunter, some deer hunting game that he and Julian love. It is not a deer hunting hunting game. Jesus Christ. (laughs) God, do you think the human condition is a hunting game? (laughs) (laughs) I can't even talk to you people anymore. Julian has rage quit the podcast. You can you can send you, Julian psychiatrist can send letters to, <laughs> or you can go to the Escapist and read Rob's awesome piece yes. on the Hunter, one of the least appreciated and best games of the last twelve months. I will link to that at the bottom of the podcast, as well as to his piece on um, Birth of America. And Rob also wrote a great piece on Sins of a Solar Empire Diplomacy, yes. Yes. which uh, I'll link. Also, we haven't talked about it. I was going to link it today and write a blog post about it, but. Meh, I didn't. Uh, so I'll make sure that's linked as well. Rob's doing a lot of great writing lately, as has everyone except Bruce. Uh, he's been starting a lot of great writing, though. So he's, I he has many drafts of great writing, um, and someday we will publish one of them uh, on Flash of Steel. Uh, next week, we have no topic as of yet. I will 
uh, pick one for the guys and we can get that out. Uh, to the people who have not yet received their copy, their prize winning copies of Making History, uh, I thought I'd mailed them out and it turns out I didn't. So. Loser. <laughs> I suck at stuff. I'm winning life. Uh, I suck at stuff. That's so crazy. I, uh, you should get a t-shirt that says that. I, I suck think that's be the new masthead for Flash of Steel. <laughs> I suck at stuff. That'll be your April Fool's masthead. Or I'll do a mug. I suck at stuff. Uh, I've been doing a mass mailing of materials. I have emailing those out to you guys, you winners, tomorrow, as well as a bunch of DS games that I will never play to a friend <laughs> to a friend who probably will play them. I mean, when you I love getting free stuff, but a DS game about Naruto, yeah, that's just never going to be played. Dude, you that's have just, no taste. Get your anime, get your anime hard on going, baby. Naruto is never going to show up uh, on my playlist. So, uh I'm going to mail that off to a friend and hopefully uh she'll get that at the end of the week. Uh, as well as some other things that I just have no use for as I clean my office. Uh, next week, like I said, no topic chosen. Hopefully we will have Tom and Bruce back. Maybe we can ar- arrange a multiplayer game. Uh, I have a Formspring account now, uh, formspring.me slash Troy Goodfellow, and people are sending in uh, ideas for the podcast there, which I think is a great place to send it, but... I, I, I don't even know what the hell Formspring is. Am a, I just now old? Is this like the new Facebook? It's a place where people can send you questions anonymously if they want. Huh. Okay. And it seems to be like, I decided to do it on a whim, and I'm getting, you know, some interesting questions. You know, can you recommend books about this? What do you think about this in strategy gaming? Why don't you do a show about X? What's Tom's problem? Uh, <laughs> like that. Uh, the age-old questions What's right up Tom? there with their, is there a god? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, but... If you do have ideas for a podcast, uh, once again, you can email me, troy.goodfellow at gmail.com. I handle all uh, the email for the podcast. And But if you want to harass Rob and Julian at their places of employment, feel free to do so. And please, if you do listen to the podcast over iTunes, uh, reviews and ratings would be greatly appreciated. Uh, we have about 60-some reviews and ratings now, and I read them all uh, because... I like when people say nice things about me, but also there are some good ideas in there and some good feedback, and I love feedback. Uh, so please review and rate us on iTunes. Feel free to ask me questions or suggest podcast topics. Uh, Julian, Rob, great show. See you guys soon. See ya. Thank you. See ya. We are out. All right. Awesome.